Uh, good morning. My name is Stephen Salvis. Uh, I, too, want to express my appreciation to Dennis. He just, um, we as uh, the pastoral team appreciate everything Dennis does. Uh, he's just uh, a blessing to us, and uh, so uh, we're very happy to be able to honor you in just a small way this morning, Dennis, but you deserve so much more. Um, open your Bibles, please. We are continuing our uh, series. This is part nine, part nine of the Christ-Centered Church, a plea, a plea for unity. If you're using the Bible under the seat in front of you, it's on page 954, 954. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Last week we got through verse 8, but because this section is all together, I'm going to start with verse 8 again. I kind of had to rush through it just a little bit last week. So uh, we'll start at verse 8 and continue through the end of the chapter. We will get through the end of the chapter this morning because I need to be in chapter 5 next week. First Corinthians 4, starting in verse 8, the Bible says, Now you're full. Now you're rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And I would to God that you did reign, that we might also reign with you. For I think that God hath set forth us, the apostles, as last as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. We are fools for Christ. But you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor, working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat We are made as the filth of the world and are the off-scouring of all things unto this day. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers, For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech thee, be ye followers of me. For this cause have I sent unto you Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some are puffed up, as though I would not come to you, But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will. 
and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What will ye? Shall I come unto you with a rod or in love and in the spirit of meekness? Would you bow your heads with me, please? Lord, thank you for the morning and for the privilege, for the privilege it is to open this book, your holy word, inspired by you, God-breathed. So that we can not only read, but by your grace, by the work of your Holy Spirit, have understanding and ultimately have application. Oh, help us to, to apply these words. Help us to be a humble people. Bless uh, these few minutes, please, Lord. We welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, before we get started, it's important to know that th this uh, passage from uh, verse 8 to the end of the chapter in chapter 4 is all about, has everything to do with humility. Everything to do with humility. If you remember the history of the church, this is a, a people group that is self-centered. It's, it's all about me. And this is what has divided the church. Keep in mind that, that pride divides. Humility unites. If we practice humility, putting others before self, then we will have unity in the body of Christ. That's a promise. It's a, it's a natural result of humility and putting others before self. So starting at, at verse 8, Paul addresses with, with uh, sarcasm, as you probably remember from last week. Uh, he says, now you are full the Corinthians, are, they're, they're comfortable physically, uh, and they're comfortable spiritually. They're comfortable where they are in that moment. They, they hunger for nothing. They, they don't hunger for food because their bellies are full of food. The economy is strong. They're able to get their food quite easily. They don't hunger for righteousness because... They're full of their own self-righteousness. They hunger for nothing. Paul says, now you are rich. But their riches are stored here on earth. Remember, because they're a wealthy city, because they have uh, money, their economy is good, they're not storing up their treasures in heaven. But they're storing them up here, remember what the Bible says. 
In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust do corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust do corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then he says again, sarcastically, you have reigned as kings without us. They're living a life of ease, as if in a palace. Remember the words, years ago I preached a message out of Amos. This is what Amos wrote. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion that lie upon beds of ivory and stretch themselves upon their couches and eat the lambs out of the, clo- out of the flock and the calves out of the midst of the stall, that chant to the sound of the viol and invent to themselves instruments of music like David, that drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the chief ointments. Woe to them because they have no concern for spiritual matters and the spiritual health of the country. Woe to them. They're thinking only about themselves. They've reigned as kings. And Paul responded by saying, if you remember, man, I I wish. I wish you did reign. I wish it was time to reign in the millennial period. I'd gladly join you, he says. But that time is not now. That time hasn't arrived yet. Now's the time for humility. Now's the time to consider others before self. How else will we reach the world for Christ if we're not concerned about the needs of others, but only of ourselves and our own comfort and our own ease? The posture of humility should be taken by all Christians. If you remember in in the humility chapter, the humility passage, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, the Apostle Paul sets forth the pattern of Christ's life on earth as an example to all of us about humility. This is what verses 8 and 9 say. I didn't write the whole passage, just 8 and 9. Look at these verses. And being found in fashion as a man, he, that is Jesus, humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Notice the order of events. Jesus humbled himself, God exalted him. Christ humbled himself, God exalted him. That's the promise to us as well. If we we humble ourselves in obedience to Christ and his will here, then we'll be exalted there. Humility here. Exaltation there. But the the Corinthians ignored the first half of that equation. They wanted their exaltation now. 
We want to be exalted now. So look at verse 9. For I think that God has set set forth us, the apostles, as last, as it were appointed to death, for we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. In contrast to, to the Corinthians, the apostles were far from being exalted now. They were doomed to death like prisoners or condemned criminals. The first half of that verse says, we're in the back of the line. You're at the front. But we're, we're in the back of the line as if, as if we are uh, being paraded through the streets as prisoners of war. As a matter of fact, verse 9 calls, he calls the apostles themselves a spectacle. So as they're being, as they're being led through the streets so that people can gaze at them and mock them, they're being led to the arena to fight as poorly equipped gladiators against wild beasts, ultimately to their own deaths. That's what happened to prisoners of war in this time period. Paul says, that's who we are. People are just gazing at us like we're we're nothing. We're being led to our deaths. But we're in the back of the line. Remember Jesus' promise. Many that are first shall be last. And the last shall be first. Paul knows that promise. He knows that. Look at verse 10. Sarcasm continues. We are fools for Christ's sake. But you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so strong. You are honorable, but we are are despised. He says, you Corinthians should be envied, while all of us apostles should be pitied for our position. Our work for Christ's sake causes us to be looked at only as fools, while you see yourselves as so wise. We are weak. You remember, think back. Week three, week two, might have been week two. Think back. Where Paul talked about his preaching. Remember the Corinthians' criticism of Paul's preaching? Uh, he came across as weak and, and timid to them. As a matter of fact, if you look back uh, in my Bible, it's a page. Look at Uh, Chapter 2. See verse 3. Paul writes this, And I was with you in weakness, and in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit 
and of power, that your faith not, should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yeah, I may have stood before you, and I may have come across as timid. I may have come across with, with fear, but I did that to demonstrate the Holy Spirit's power, not my own. It's not about me. I'm seen as weak for depending on the Holy Spirit and to show his power. But you are so strong. That's what Paul is writing here in verse 10. Look at the, verse, look at the list in uh, verse 10 and, and compare them to verse 9. He says, uh, we're treated as fools. So we're relegated to the back of the line. We're called weak. So we're, on, we're, so we're seen as being on the losing side of a war. We're the losers here. We're despised and made a spectacle in the streets heading to our deaths. Look at verses 11 and 14. 11 through 14. Oh. Even under this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor, working with our own hands, being reviled. We bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. I'm not writing these things to shame you. But as my beloved sons, I... I need to warn you. Look at the list. Look at the list. We're hungry. We're thirsty. We're naked, which actually means we're poorly clothed. We have no certain dwelling place. We're homeless. We can't always meet our physical needs of food and water and clothing and shelter. Paul says in verse 12, as a matter of fact, we have to work for what little we do have because our needs aren't being met through the ministry. Let me ask you a question here. Parents. Think about this. If you had a son who was pastoring a church and had to take on a part-time job and was still not making ends meet. He is Paul. What would you say? Keep going, son, or get out. You need a job. What would you say? Think, just, just think about that. What would you say? Paul's willing to humble himself even to homelessness and hunger 
to continue preaching the gospel message and leading people to Christ. What else is in the list? Verse 11, Paul says he's buffeted. He's being beaten up like a slave. Verse 12, he's reviled or criticized constantly. He's being persecuted. Turn right in your Bibles. Go to 2 Corinthians. Keep your finger in 1 Corinthians. Go to 2 Corinthians 11, please. And if you have the Bible in the seat in front of you, it's on page 970, 970. 2 Corinthians 11. I'm going to start at verse 23 because I want to develop this thought of persecution just a little more. And Paul says, I'm being persecuted. What's he saying here? Verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, and here's the list, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths often. Of the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes saved one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeyings often. In perils of water. In perils of robbers. In perils by mine own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and in thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches, who is weak. Verse 29. What a list! This is what Paul is experiencing in order to do the work of the ministry and invest in the Corinthian church. Back to uh, chapter 4 in, verse, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians. Uh, what else is on the list? Verse 13 says uh, Paul was defamed. It means he's slandered. Says he was treated like the King James says the word filth. That's uh, the sweepings from a dirty floor. It's the dirt and the dust that you gather from a dirty floor when you sweep your kitchen, uh, or what's in your vacuum cleaner bag. That's that's how we're treated. We're the filth of the world, or or worse. He says we're we're like the off scouring of all things. That's literally what you scrape from a dirty pot. When you scrape from that pot, that pile of gunk, that's how Paul feels like he's being treated here for ministry's sake, for Christ's sake. He says, verse 14, I'm, I'm not writing these things to make you feel badly about not meeting my needs. Instead, I'm, I'm warning you as a dad who loves his children and wants what's best for them. You remember, Paul established this church 
And he led many of them to the Lord. Verse 15, I I think is hyperbole. He talks about, you may have 10,000 tutors, instructors. You may have 10,000 tutors in Christ, but you have only one spiritual dad. That's me. I established the church. I loved you and have cared for you like a dad, like a spiritual dad. He's their father in the gospel. And so as a result, verse 16, wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers or imitators of me. Be imitators of me. Paul does not come across as the greatest salesman here, does he? Follow me. Imitate me, he says. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm poorly dressed. I get pushed around and beat up. I'm homeless. I work really hard for the little I do have. Be like me. Imitate me. I get criticized and persecuted. I'm slandered. I'm treated like scum, the ESV says. Imitate me. Be like me. It's like... um, Let's make a deal. Monty Hall, for us older people. I think it's, is it Wayne? Wayne Knight, I think, uh, today. Not three doors, but two. One you can get to easily, no problem. The other, you have to work through briars and thickets and people yelling and screaming and beating on you. But that's the one you want, Paul says. That's the one you want. Pick door number two. Paul, listen, here's the point. Here's the point of the whole thing. Paul is the extreme example. It's not in his extreme circumstances that he's calling us to live, but in his extreme response. It's not the circumstances, but the response He's calling you to imitate. If we live our life as as Christians before the world, if we really live out that faith, we're going to be criticized. The question is, how do you respond when you're criticized? Paul says, when I'm criticized... I bless. Well, God bless you. I, I hear you. But God bless you. He's not fighting back. He's like, oh yeah? Well, here's what I think you are. He says, when we're persecuted, we endure it. And you know what? I read those words. I thought, I thought to Acts 16. As Paul is in prison. And he's singing hymns. When we're slandered, we 
King James says entreat. That's we pray. You slander me, I'll pray for you. He says we don't complain about our circumstances. We accept our circumstances as of the Lord. And therefore we respond in obedience to Jesus' teaching. Matthew 5, 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. How easy is that? Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you. And persecute you. Here's my example, Paul says. Corinthians. Waldorfians. Southern Marylanders, imitate me. Imitate my response. If the result of humility is maturity in Christ, aren't the consequences worth it? If following Christ, being obedient to Christ, calls me to respond in this way, Are the consequences worth it? That someone thinks I'm weak or someone criticizes me or disrespects me. How do I respond? Verse 17. I'm trying to move along because I am going to get through the chapter. He says, uh, instead of reading it, uh, he says, Timothy's another one of my sons in the faith. Verse 17. Paul led Timothy to the Lord and discipled him. So, So he says, I'm going to send Timothy to you. He'll point you in the right direction. He'll be a help. (laughs) And then verse 18. Some of you are ignorant. Pardon me. Some of you are arrogant. They're ignorant too. (laughs) Some of you are arrogant. These are the ones who are saying, Paul's not coming. He's not going to show his face here. He won't be here. Paul had... His supporters, I follow Paul, back from chapter 1. But he also had his detractors, the ones who preferred Apollos or Peter. Apollos because he was a better, stronger preacher. Peter because he was a disciple of Christ and they questioned whether Paul was really an apostle anyway. And I follow Christ, they were the ones who didn't care about anybody. If the Lord wills, Paul says in verse 19, I will be there. I'm going to come to you. And then, then I will know if there's any power behind the words of these arrogant people. That's what he says in verse 19. I like this quote by John MacArthur. Spiritual character is measured not by the impressiveness of words, but in the power of the life. Or how about this Steve Salvis paraphrase? It's not whether you can talk a good game, but whether you can play a good game. That's what Paul's saying to the Corinthians here. Talk all you want. Is there any power in your words? I'll find out when I get there. So which do you prefer? Verse 21. What do you want? If I come to you, Do you want me to come with a sledgehammer? You want me to come and start bashing some of you over the head? 
Or do you prefer I come in meekness, in humility, and in love? Let me ask you this as a, as a challenge. Can we say, individually, can you say to your son or your daughter or to uh, a friend who looks up to you, follow me, imitate me, be like me. When it comes to criticism, when it comes to stress, when it comes to persecution, be like me, son, Follow me. What's your answer? Don't answer out loud. What's your answer? There's your challenge. Paul is challenging the Corinthian church. Follow me. Imitate me. Humility. In humility, there's unity. I like how this chapter ends because uh, in, in chapter 5, uh, Paul brings up deep sin within the church. So, you know, the question is, as he asks this question, he's thinking about what he's going to address next, which is incest in the church. Remember, we talked about the church, it's a... They're very self-centered, they're very wealthy, there's also a sexually immoral issue. the, the, The lifestyle in Corinth was a morally corrupt society. So, next week, we're going to be in chapter 5, we're actually going to be in chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, then I'm going to skip to chapter 6, where Paul talks about more sexual sin. Please know in advance what we're going to talk about. Uh, and if you have children and you want, you're just not sure, it's going to be all Bible, no opinion. It's going to be all Bible, but it's going to be adult theme, PG-13. How's that? Uh, just keep that in mind uh, before next week. And pray for me. As I put this together, I'm I'm excited about the message, but it's heavy on my heart. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing on uh, the remainder of the day, and Steve will come uh, and lead us in a closing song. Lord, I am so thankful for your word. I'm thankful for its message. Humility. What a fight. To be humble. In every situation. To put others first before self. It's... It's not natural for the human being. And yet by the work of the Holy Spirit, we can be changed. 
and to people who think of others greater than self. Help us to do just that, Lord. May we, may, may we be able to say, imitate me in these situations and mean it. Not, not do as I say, but truly imitate me, please. But again, oh God, that would be all by your grace. May we be a humble people. In Jesus' name, amen.